Hello, this is Hear Her Sports, and I am your host and producer, Elizabeth Emery. And yes, I am back with another cross-country ski World Cup race report. And boy, am I loving these episodes. And of course, I hope you are as well, because it is such a special treat to be hearing from the U.S. ski team about World Cup racing and their pro athlete life. Thank you so much to everyone who has been part of making these episodes happen and for the work they've all done to find decent internet and a private space to record, which is not always easy on the road. Today, we'll be hearing from another of the young athletes on the U.S. team, Novi McCabe. She'll be discussing the last World Cup of Period 1, which was in Trondheim, Norway. We talk about how she's ready for some rest after an intense period of racing and about staying healthy as a pro athlete. Novi also goes over what she noticed skiing with the floral free wax, which is now required this season. Because Novi is pretty new to the World Cup circuit, I asked her what it was like to come into a team of great women and about the goals she has for her career. Novi is still in the U23 category, and maybe my favorite part of our conversation is when she talks about how different and fun it is to race for the win in the U23 races. What she said reminded me of what cyclist Helen Wyman often says about how important separate U23 races are. You can hear all about that in episode 117. That's plenty to get us going, so let's meet Novi McCabe. Well, hello, Novi. Hi. This is super exciting. It's just such a thrill for me to talk to all you guys. So thank you for doing it. I appreciate it. I know you're sort of in a rest period. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Cool. Throughout period one, like the entire American team has been doing so great. And that must be energizing. But at the same time, it's been a lot of racing for a whole month. You must be tired or, you know, at least ready for some rest. Totally. Yeah. It's super nice to have a bit of a break now to just reset after all of the excitement and also like all of the racing. It was definitely started to get exhausting towards the end there. So I think especially the people that race like everything, I think they're very ready for a break and I'm definitely ready for a break for a few off days and then to get some training in before the tour. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. When does the tour start? It starts on the 30th, I think. So we honestly don't have too long, but it's like a yeah. solid week and a half or whatever. Well, you know, wh one question I want to ask you is because I read in an interview that you did this summer that you tend to get sick pretty often or you think that you get sick pretty often. Like, how have you been staying healthy or are you healthy? Yeah, I've actually stayed relative. I got sick once um, during period one, but it was just a minor cold and it just seemed like everyone was getting sick like the flu was going around COVID was going around and so I got lucky and kind of came out pretty unscathed but a lot of people on the team came down with the flu or like some or COVID or some other like kind yeah. of nasty illness so um, I was pretty lucky this year. Are you doing anything different this year you know because you do think that you get sick a lot? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like skiers just like as a group of people or cross country skiers kind of <laughs> tend to get sick more than the average person or just maybe endurance athletes, just because you know, you're always kind of like pushing yourself physically. And I think that just kind of compromises your immune system at times. So I think, I don't know, maybe I just get sick the same as like the average skier. But I've, I've definitely been taking like extra care when it comes to just making sure I'm like eating a lot of good nutritious food and sleeping a lot and just kind of taking care of myself in those ways because I think that becomes super important when you're you know constantly like racing and doing intensity so yeah yeah well good I'm, I'm, I hope you stay healthy thank you 
you know, on TV, it's hard to keep track of what you're doing, like how you're skiing, et cetera, because the TV doesn't show you that much. But we saw right. you a little bit this weekend. And this last weekend was the World Cup in Trondheim, which is in Norway. What can you tell me about the weekend? Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was so it was like a preview kind of for World Championships next year, which I make the team for. I, I haven't made a World Championships team yet, but I'm I'm hoping to be there. So it was really cool to just kind of like soak everything in and see what that could possibly be like. And I'd also I'd never done a skiathlon before, and we got to do a skiathlon, which is a pretty exciting yet hectic race because you have to you know be ready for two techniques and everything. Yeah, we had three races: a sprint skiathlon and then a 10k. It was a uh, kind of crazy weather it was a little bit rainy and warm which was kind of a shock to the system after we've been in like far north for the whole beginning of the year and it had been super cold so that was a bit different but it was a really cool atmosphere and I think our whole team really likes the like to the courses uh, a lot um Trondheim's really awesome and we had a lot of good American fans there so it was a fun time it was a preview of the world championships because the world championships will be on the same exact course Yep, exactly. Same course, oh, wow. same, and a lot of, I guess, uh, same formats as well. I mean, there will be a few added, but uh, we'll have a skiathlon there. There will be a 10K classic and a, a freestyle sprint. So it's kind of like, yeah, you you really get a good preview of what it might be like. Oh, that's amazing. And you did so well in, in the the longer races. That's awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah. 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 So describe a little bit what the skiathlon is. I love watching that race. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's crazy and fun and it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. I think a lot can happen in that race. It's So it's basically you ski a 10K classic um, and then switch over to skate skis, skate poles. And so honestly, that becomes a big component of it. Like if you're able to switch your skis quickly. So you like switch skis and then you go off on the skate leg and you skate 10k so it's honestly quite interesting because most people like have a favorite technique or slightly better at one so a lot of the time there will be some people leading and then like if you're better at skating you're kind of able to like make up time in that last half or if you have a good transition you can like catch another group it's just they're kind of more variables it's almost like a bit more like biathlon where there's just a, a few more things going on so it makes it quite exciting to watch it yeah. And, and as I said, you did very well. You got 23rd in that race. You know, like, how did you feel? Like, what was your impression of it? Forget about the results. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was OK. I honestly, I didn't have the best feelings that day. But, you know, that's how it is. Like 90 percent of the time, like you're never going to feel that good. So it was definitely a fight out there. And um, I I was just trying to stay focused on on the good things and uh, keep going. And so I was I, the result I was happy with, I was um, a little bit bummed by my feelings and kind of wished that I'd had a bit a bit more energy um, in the end. But I don't know. I can't, I can't be mad about it. I think this is my first year of kind of being more consistently in the top uh, 30 on period one. So I was just happy to get in another solid race and um, hopefully like keep working towards being a more consistent skier like up in those top groups. Yeah, I mean, that's a good transition because I want to hear more about what the whole period one was like for you. Yeah. And, you know, like, what have you learned? And yeah, I think what have you learned and what are you taking away from that? And are, and will you be racing? You will be racing the tour, right? Yeah, yeah, I will be racing the tour, which I'm quite excited about. That's like such a cool event. But overall, I'm pretty happy with my period one. I mean, you always want to like 
make major improvements year to year. And I was feeling pretty confident in my training going into period one and thought I could have a bit of a better start to the year than I had in the past two years. And I think I I did that. I mean, it was kind of slight. Like it was like, I don't know, instead of being like low 30s, I was low 20s. But I mean, that's kind of all you can ask for sometimes. And I'm I'm happy with that and proud of that. And I think I made some good progress in my skiing. Um, So for the most part, I was really really happy about it and one of my main goals was to like qualify for the tour and get a tour start because I've only done the tour once before but I really enjoyed it and it's just like a really cool thing to be part of and a lot of racing a lot of chances every day so yeah I'm happy with period one and I hope I can keep building on those results in the tour and maybe start moving up the results sheet a little more hopefully but we'll see. Where would you say you are in your career? As you mentioned you've done the tour before you've done World Cups before but you haven't been doing this that long. I mean, I I hope I'm at the very beginning of my career. Like <laughs> a lot of people peak when they're, uh, I don't know, like late 20s or early 30s. So I'm hoping that it's something that's sustainable for me and that I can continue for the next, uh, I don't know, like eight to 10 years or so, because um, yeah, it's it's just like a really, really fun thing to get to do. And I, I want to take that time to be able to give myself the best chance to improve and um, reach my goals but yeah I'd say I'm I'm hoping about the start of my career I mean I just kind of went from uh, like high school skiing to college skiing and this is my first year being like full-on or trying to be full-on on the World Cup we'll see how how long I stay over here and like keep getting starts and stuff but I don't have college racing this year to kind of go back to so I'm definitely more focused on the international racing and so that'll be like a cool thing to try and um, yeah, I'll hopefully learn a lot from it. Does this feel like a big step up, not having the collegiate racing and sort of moving to becoming a like a full-time professional, I guess? Yeah, it kind of does. I think it definitely, like I've raced period one and, and uh, other periods of the World Cup in the past, but it definitely feels a bit different this year because I just feel like I have put more of a focus on, I mean, I, I had a I've always been pretty focused on skiing, but I think this year it's been like, okay, I'm making this even bigger shift to prioritize skiing. And so I maybe put a little bit more pressure on myself and like uh, expect everything to, you know, kind of go perfectly. But obviously that's, that's not always going to happen, but it definitely feels a bit different in that I'm like, I really feel quite focused on skiing and it's kind of just what I'm doing. And I'm still taking a few classes, but it's, um, yeah, most of my time is just put into, you know, thinking about skiing and I maybe need to get some more hobbies to to distract (laughs) from it at times. But yeah, it's a bit different for sure. Well, before we go on, I want to go back to the race this past weekend. You know, the temperatures were so much warmer. Like, what was your experience of the new fluoro-free wax? You know, because the temperature was so different, the wax had to be different. And I'm just curious how that was for you. Right. Yeah, it's definitely in those warmer temperatures. I think that's where we were all like, oh, wow, you can actually feel that like our skis are slower. Um, But like everyone's are, you know, because floors just really help in those conditions. But I think like overall, I mean, we had really good skis as a team. Our techs and our team have been doing like such a good job and made the shift to no floors so smooth. So like I've had like amazing skis every weekend, which has been awesome. And like, when you go out in those conditions without floors, it is a bit, your skis just aren't quite as fast. So I don't know. It's, it is, it was interesting that you could like kind of notice that a bit. Did it impact your racing or how did it impact your racing? I mean, it, no. I guess the same distance takes longer now. 
Right. Yeah, that's maybe true. It honestly is like um, maybe people who are like more in tune with their skis and that kind of thing can really tell. But it's a pretty subtle difference, I'd say. And I don't think it really changed too much for me. The main thing that it changes, honestly, is just like the structure of our like warm up and how we test skis and everything, because you have to get them into testing really early. So we're like out there uh, way earlier and and testing and warming up. So it's kind of just more to do before the race. And that's kind of the main thing that it changes. In terms of actual racing and strategy, it, it doesn't change so much. Was that stressful? It was a little bit. It now is not so much. But when we first had some test like trials of the no flora policy last year, it was definitely a bit stressful because it's like you you test and then you're like, well, where do I go? Like, do I just sit around? And I don't know. You just kind of have to figure out a new strategy for warming up. But now I think most of us have it dialed and it, it goes pretty smoothly. We talked a little bit about this being sort of early in your career. I'm curious what it's like to be one of the young members on the team. You know, you have great examples to watch. There are other women there who have just, you know, paved the way. I'm I'm interested to hear what you say. Yes, totally. I mean, that is so awesome. Like being able to be on the team with Jesse and Rosie and even some of the slightly younger ones like Julia, like they're all amazing role models and and like are willing to share so much about like their experience and give advice all the time and they're all just the best and like wonderful people and so having them around is so nice and so helpful and just makes things feel a bit less intimidating and like you know like they're they're willing to answer any question no question is a dumb question so um having them around for like the whole beginning of my career has been really awesome and like even people my age, like Sophia Lockley, like she's always an inspiration to me. And I feel like it's just, yeah, it's it's really cool to be a part of that group of girls for sure. Do you have a sense of all of the work that they've done to sort of bring up the team in the way that they have and, you know, the new opportunities that you have because of that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I've mainly realized that that doing that and like trying to grow the sport and also like maintain a really good uh, team atmosphere, like it's really not easy and they put a lot into it. So I'm very appreciative of that and hope that I can continue with that after they retire. Yeah. Jesse talked a lot about like building the team dynamic. Has that yeah. been, has that been new for you? I mean, did you experience that in college or is this experience just completely different? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been quite lucky or just like throughout my skiing career, I've been on teams of people that just like are really great and like get along super well. And it still is that way. Like on the US team, it's definitely that way. But I think as people get older and I don't know, like it's just a group of people who are very different in a lot of ways. And you kind of realize like from the outside, it looks like, oh, my God, it's so easy everyone just gets along and loves each other and it's great and like we do it's like a family I feel like but I think you realize being like more in it that it like it takes work and people have to be willing to like I don't know like hang out with each other and do things and like kind of grow those relationships because we are lucky that like people get along and everyone's really really truly like wonderful and so that makes it easier but I think uh it it takes work and time and I think Jesse has been like a big leader in kind of getting getting that ball rolling. And I think now too the younger ones maybe need to take a little bit of more of a more of a role in, in trying to do that. 
because I mean, I want that really great team culture to continue. And I think all of us realize that the older people have played a major part in, in getting that to where it is. So I think yeah, we just yeah want to keep that going. I love that you talk about how much work it is. I mean, any relationship is, is work. Right, and you guys, totally. you guys, Yeah, and you guys are, you know, like hanging out in close quarters for long periods of time under great stress. Yes, yes. And that definitely, definitely uh, leads to some challenges. But it's just, you know, you just kind of have to work through it like anything. <laughs> how many people are you traveling with? I mean, between the athletes, both men and women, and then you have all the tech and the coaches and all that stuff. Gosh, I'm trying to think. I think it... Um eight women or no we had maybe seven women in period one there were maybe like 10 men and then like four or five coaches that were kind of in and out like some of them were gone for the last couple of races and then there are oh gosh how many techs maybe like seven or or something like that so it's it's a pretty big crew for sure and which is nice because it, it makes it so that you know there there's always people to hang out with and it's it's not lonely if you put in the time to go hang out and, and just do things together. Well, what's next for you, both short and long term? I know you have this rest. What are your plan for that? And then what comes? Next is the tour. And then I kind of am going to play it by ear after that. I'm This is my last year as a U23. And so I might go to U23 championships or... Uh, but it's kind of a bummer because those overlap with the World Cups that are in Canmore, which is a pretty insane opportunity because we I feel like we never get to race in North America. So yeah. I kind of there might be some decision making there if I get starts in, in both of the races. Uh, if I go to U23s, I would really like to podium there. I feel like uh, that's kind of been a goal for a couple of years and never really has has lined up. And I, I think I it's a goal that's kind of within reach and it would be super fun to you know, race in a race where you're actually racing to win and, and World Cup is awesome. But right now, the reality is I'm like racing for, you know, like a top 20 or something like that. So it's it's would be a nice change of pace to be racing for for a podium or for a win. But I also am like, so excited for North American World Cups. I think those are just going to be insane. And the atmosphere will be crazy. I think like the whole World Cup, like all the Europeans too, are really looking forward to coming to Minneapolis. And so that's definitely a big, yeah, big exciting thing that's happening later this year and then just yeah finishing up the season after that I'm I kind of my goal is to stay on World Cup as long as I have starts and just keep getting the the experiences so that's kind of the plan for this year. Well that sounds great and I'm glad to hear that the Europeans are also excited to come over to Minnesota and yeah it's gonna be great. Yeah totally I think I mean the honestly the reality of it is that like at World Cups in Europe, a lot of the time, there aren't like that many spectators. And I think, you know, with the Minneapolis tickets, like selling out so fast, and it's looking to be like a massive, uh, a massive party. So I think people are pretty <laughs> excited for that. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much again. I really appreciate you taking the time in your rest period. So thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. It was fun. And good luck. Thank you. <laughs> These race reports are so much fun. Thank you again, Dan, Leanne, and of course, Novi, for making this episode come out so well. I hope you're enjoying these ski episodes just as much as I am. If you are, tell your friends about Hear Her Sports. You have heard me say this before, but I bet there is someone you talk sports with or train with, or maybe you have a coach. Tell those people about the show. More people knowing about Hear Her Sports and listening does make a difference for us working on the podcast and for our continued growth. 
We are bigger than ever, but not big enough. On the Hear Her Sports website, there are ways to contact me, sign up for the newsletter, listen to all of the episodes, find out more about my guests and what we talk about in the show notes, and to support the show by purchasing books from our bookshop page and through Buy Me a Coffee. Find all of that at hearhersports.com. If you are new to Hear Her Sports, welcome! There are so many former guests to discover, including high school wrestler Jaden McKinney, Dr. Stacy Sims, and sports nutritionist Stephanie Sherling. Thank you for listening. I'm so appreciative you have spent your time with us today. Hear Her Sports is a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. To find out more about what they offer, go to evergreenpodcast.com. And until next time, bye-bye. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!